two wizards. Two wizards? Two wizards. Two wizards. I've, 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 I've talked often about how it is kind of neat living in a big city where there's things like amenities uh, that are only 10 minutes drive away. Um, yeah, yeah, rub it in, rub it in. I Well, I say that now. However, boy howdy this weekend uh, was I reminded that, oh yeah, you do live in a state capital in Metropolis. And uh, if you're not aware of things, that can, that can actually, yeah, kind of like screw up your whole your, your whole day. So um, just last night for dinner, the Mrs. Wizard and I, we were craving some ramen from a place. And, okay. uh, and, and we told ourselves, you know, instead of like screwing around with DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever, we'll, we'll just, we'll just call it in and then, uh, and then, then we'll drive over and pick it up again. Cause again, it's only like 10 minutes away. It's a 10 minute drive. That's nothing. So we get on, uh, one of the kind of local highways here, 315. And when we're making our exit, we're like, oh shit, there's like a cop car in front and some kind of traffic piling up. And this guy's like directing traffic. What happened? You know, did somebody get, what was, was is there a crash? Was there a wreck? Something like that. So as we're kind of slowly creeping up and I can see he's like, he's like talking to people and like waving, he's, he's talking to the other drivers as they're going up and he's like pointing this direction or waving them on. And so then, uh, yeah, roll down my window, listen to him and he says, Looking for parking? I was like, uh, no, no, sir. He's like, all right, carry on. Uh, uh, apparently, it's country dr- jam, country jam in the state of oh. Ohio. So that's oh, so. And that exit was to um, yeah, the Schottenstein Center, big basketball arena, sports venue, concert venue. So apparently, that was going on. We're like, oh well, shit. Uh, oh shit. It's it's. Also, probably a good thing we decided to drive ourselves and not try to flex with um, DoorDash because that would have taken two hours to get over. That would have been a damn nightmare, place. yeah. Uh, so then we so we took some like residential streets and got back home and fine. Ramen was, was great. And then just today, uh, doing a little, doing a few chores because it's the Memorial Day weekend. We didn't want to... Uh, do stuff tomorrow so we were you know and we we're like hey there, there's the lows we can pick up some stuff actually ran out of propane today grilling so had to pick up some propane um, oh. and then same thing we, we get on the other highway interstate 71 uh because lows is like two exits down again 10 minutes but just s- slowed to a crawl and again, they're like son of a bitch well it turns out there's a there's a separate concert it's oh uh, what uh sonic <laughs> Sonic Temple is, I think, what it's called. And they get all sorts of kind of like emo bands. Like the Mrs. Wizard is like, oh, my God, that was this weekend. I wanted to go. It's all my, it's 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 Breaking Benjamin. And uh, oh, 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 yeah. I know what you're, when you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So and so we're, we're there in Lowe's picking up propane and like uh, uh, plant food and, you know, all this other stuff. And she's just kind of wistfully standing out in the garden section because she can hear the music playing <laughs> playing out there. It's like, man, I wanted to go. And then it did. It took like 30 minutes to drive back home uh, against traffic. Because, oh, So yeah, living in the city, it's not all it's cracked up to be. You know, hey, we can play like city wizard, country wizard, 
and <laughs> you can take the country wizard out of the alpine valley but you can't take the alpine valley out of the country wizard when you put him <laughs> in columbus ohio <laughs> But yeah, so what what should have been what what should have been one of those nice convenient ah this is so this is so helpful having uh big stores and stuff around here. No, it was it was an ordeal, a nightmare. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mention that cuz you know what else is like supposed to be helpful and you think you're just like getting into like you know, just a little bit of a mm-hmm. we'll call it like a little bit of a treat for you and maybe someone you care about, you share it with them and mm-hmm. then you realize it's gonna be a two and a half hour long ordeal and you come out of it and you're probably a little bit worse for the wear, but you heard some <laughs> weird sound cues and had some fun and remembered when. That's right, buddy. Welcome back to the Two Wizards Podcast. <laughs> my name is Mark and I'm a wizard. And my name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And uh <laughs> no listeners, we are not just going to whine and mope and complain about first world problems but we're also not not going to do that uh (laughs) but uh yes i think i think we had a lot of fun last week uh with our loose robes on the nintendo 64 uh that was a real treat for me and and i did i i found some time i fired up um yeah some of the uh old 64 games i had on the switch and virtual console played some paper mario it was great Um, oh yeah but it's also time to get back into wizardy business. And part of that business requires having something in our wizard's cups. So, Mark, what are we drinking? Uh, well, Josh, I gave you um, very specific instructions for tonight. We were going to have um, a certain cocktail based off of what we're talking about. It really fit. And then, hey, talk about those amenities and, you know, living in a city. Guess what I don't have? amenities or a city or a supply chain. So I got two of the basic elements and not the other two. So instead of that, I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada pale ale. Oh, very nice. Well, yeah. That's yeah. Solid... I actually, I like these. These are good. I'm not even bitching. I don't know why it's not like I'm bitching. These are yeah. really solid little beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was, I kind of was late to the Sierra Nevada party. Um, because, yeah, when I was, like, doing my early craft beer drink, you'd be like, mmm, Fat Tire, num, 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 mmm, Blue Moon, num, 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 mmm, Sam Adams, Boston Lager, num, num, num. For some reason, I got, like, weirdly uptight and, like, hipsterish about Sierra Nevada. I was like, oh, whatever, that's, mmm. But and then, yeah, and then, like, a couple years later, I actually had one. And, yeah, they're, they're, they're damn delicious. Yeah, I like them. I think mm-hmm. when Amanda's working for the train, they finished something and Ooh. we ended up with like 10 cases of it one summer okay. so that's when i started drinking it but like yeah i that's clutch yeah yeah yeah. how about you buddy what are you drinking on uh well i am also i was also sort of intending on following through because i live in a city that has uh liquor stores with selections and stuff uh but then i got like weirdly sick i got like super sick uh at the beginning of the week and then uh hopefully this isn't TMI for our listeners, but then yeah, I got like, I I, I guess the forty eight hour pink eye, if that's a thing. <laughs> um, and so I also was telling myself, yeah, I, I probably better play it safe with Wizards cups this week. Uh, so I'm returning to the old standby of some ranch water. So starting off with Rio Red grapefruit, uh, the taste of agave nectar, uh, lime, and Rio Red grapefruit. I don't know if this actually has any vitamin C, but I'm going to tell myself it does so it can help me get over 
<laughs> this junk, whatever, whatever I'm doing. I, I, I almost asked uh, the Mrs. Wizard to go get some Vizies because I was like, it has vitamin C and antioxidants. Uh, <laughs> but ranch water is fine. <laughs> so uh, here is Anya, buddy. Cheers, good buddy. Here's to your health, huh? Oh, yeah, indeed. Uh, yamas, as the Greeks would say. Yamas. Yeah, Sierra Nevada. It's good. Yeah. Um, have you tried, I thought about you the other day, have you tried that ranch water and it's like the margarita one? Oh, I've seen it. I think I've tried it. And yeah, like, because it's also like, we'll have, have you tried it? No, I just, I saw okay. it and I was like, I wonder if Josh has had this. I was like, ooh, I know what we can do next week. <laughs> well, true, true. Um, but yeah, I think somebody brought one of those. Because like after the ranch water like burst onto the scene last summer, uh, I think somebody grabbed one of those. And if I remember, it's a little sweet, which isn't a bad thing necessarily. But um, but yeah, well, hot damn. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to follow up with that. Yeah, um, I think that could... Be yeah, idea. that might be that. That could be arranged. So, but that's not what we're here for. We have other that's pressing business to attend to, Josh. Yes, we do. I hope you're ready to get so stupid. This may be well. I know that my running gag is like, I hope you're ready to get dumb. We're gonna get really dumb tonight. Um, we're gonna get, <laughs> but it is aggressively dumb. Well, and we what what you see on the tin is what you get inside, listeners. We we, we don't do the whole sleight of hand. Uh, in fact, we not only do we title our episodes exactly what we're talking about, we do completely obvious jokes at the beginning. That's <laughs> like because I was I was thinking like, boy, man, ranch water. You know, hey, that gets me thinking about water. How do we get water? Well, here's the precipitation cycle. Yeah, here's the water cycle and <laughs> something like that. Mark, what are we talking about today? And hey, you also asked me to. Uh, prep like 10 minutes on clouds. I wonder what we could be talking about today. <laughs> I don't. I think you know. I mean, I'm sure you got the little Google alert on your phone because I like put the. I also got that, yes. <laughs> so, like, it's a dead giveaway. And, like, how could you not know? But also, I'd be surprised if you knew anything at all about this, Josh. Yeah. Um, but now that it's summertime, I'm spending a ton of time on my deck, like, smoking meat. Or, like, oh, yeah. reading, mm-hmm. or just, you know, looking up at the sky. And, like, as you you remember how big the sky in the valley is, man. Like, oh, God, it's amazing. Those yeah, thunderheads just, like, sweep over us and miss us, but you get to see how big and mm-hmm. beautiful they are and how much rain they're going to dump on literally the rest of the goddamn state yeah, except everywhere, for us. But yeah, like, everywhere except for the Sandless Valley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, like, as I look at these big puffy clouds racing across the sky, I kind of had an epiphany, man. Mm-hmm. So we have covered cryptids, we have covered yokai, we have covered ghosts, we have covered fearsome critters, we have covered holdafolk, we have covered calicansaros, uh, we have covered mine-based pterosaurs, jungle-based pterosaurs, and, like, fucking aliens on the moon. Yeah. Um, we've covered, literally, if it's on the planet, we've probably at least touched on it, and if it's under the sea, we probably touched on it. Mm-hmm. But, Josh, there's a whole other third here that we haven't even looked at. Well, where could this location be, Mark? Well, buddy, sometimes when we gaze into the void too long, it means that we keep our heads out of the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight we're going to correct that by talking about atmospheric Thunderclap, woman scream, sci-fi, dun, dun, dun. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, because... Atmospheric well, beasts, yes. 
Well, but but it also is very much like even though we haven't focused on it specifically, we had our pterosaur attack episode. We've had our giant bird attacks episode. So I think yeah, this is this is overdue, but also something that yeah, we've been kind of like yeah, we just gotta finish that line there and say so like yeah, we're actually doing atmospheric beasts now. Yeah, I think the best way to do this tonight is we're gonna treat the sky like it's a reverse ocean. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like. You know, um, when you look out at the ocean, you stand on the dock and you look out and of course you're going to like walk out in the waves and you go deeper and you pass through the different zones and there's more pressure and it gets darker and all this stuff. Well, mm-hmm. we're going to do the same thing tonight, but just looking, you know, from our ground up. And mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, Josh, you really did a hell of a job when you talked about rockets and you kind of mentioned like what makes up the space around the earth. But mm-hmm. I asked you to prep up just a little bit, a little bit more and a little bit more like, I guess what the levels are a little bit tighter, just right. in case somebody might have mm-hmm. missed, but also because we're looking at this now as an environment for living things, so we ought to know what we're looking at. Y- yes. Uh, yeah, and when you asked me to do that, again, I thought, of course, that makes complete sense, because I did. When I was going through uh, Rockets, um, I sort of talked a little bit about, like, a few, a few things for Orbit, Um but I didn't, yeah, I didn't necessarily go through like the, the specific layers. So we have, um, on our home planet of Earth, we have five, roughly. You might consider five, five and a half, perhaps, maybe, depending on how, on how we want to split it, um, layers of our atmosphere. Uh, and they, and there's a reason why, because I never learned this in science class. I never knew... Well, why are some of these this and why are some of them that? What are the distinctions, right? Like, like why is the Kármán line at a th- at 100 kilometers or roughly 62 um, miles? Why is that space? I never had to explain to me what these different layers were, but doing some research, following through, yeah, it does make sense. So, starting off closest to us, we have the troposphere. Also, listeners, get ready for a lot of Greek because, oh, baby. <laughs> um <laughs> So the troposphere is, yes, the one closest to us, and that is from sea level up until about rather six miles, about 10 kilometers. What is notable about the troposphere is, of course, this is where we live, uh, but specifically this is where all the weather happens. All the weather events happen within the troposphere. I guess we also, I also sort of mentioned this with um, mountains too. So when you go higher up in the troposphere, the temperature drops. So at about sea level, uh, average global temperature is like, you know, 20 degrees Celsius. And that's like, um, what is that? That's like 70, 75 or so, 75 degrees yeah, Fahrenheit. Sounds right. Sounds about right. Uh, and the further you go up, uh, the cooler it gets, the, the colder it gets until right at the boundary, uh, the tropopause, it drops to about minus 50 degrees Celsius which is about minus, yeah, 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So just Mm -hmm. within the troposphere, that's a huge temperature range. And then, yes, at tropopause is this transitional layer. Uh, Okay, also, sorry, I won't do this with everyone, but but pause comes from a Greek word. Mark, if you had to guess what pause, uh, uh, pao, means in Greek, what what, what would you think it means? Uh, Dog, I don't know. Paolo? Paolo? Uh, oh, I'm no, thinking I, pause. I'm thinking pause, like mm-hmm. pause, pause. Yeah, that's oh, not I, I got it at all, though, huh? I got gotcha. <laughs> Well, uh, what is it? 
pause means pause. It means stop. So the tropopause is where the troposphere stops. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, okay, pause is pause. Okay, cool. Yeah, pause is literally cool, cool. pause. That's where we get That's where we get the intro. The next layer up is the stratosphere, which is about, um, uh, yeah, about uh, 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 12 to 30 miles, or about 20 to 50 kilometers. Um, and uh, the stratosphere... Uh, this is okay. This is so interesting. So, Mark, I was just talking about the higher you go up in the troposphere, the colder it gets. In the stratosphere, mm-hmm. it's the opposite. The higher up in the stratosphere, it actually gets warmer. Um, so that up at the very limit of the stratosphere, at about thirty miles, um, it's about zero. It's about freezing point. So it went all the way from oh, like shit. yeah, yeah, minus minus uh, fifty Celsius uh, to yeah, like like freezing point. Um, okay. and, and, and it's, and, and again, so like, as strange as the sound though, because there's that warmer layer on top, it actually like tra- helps trap the colder air in the, in the troposphere. And so I don't, I don't know, man, the atmosphere, it's, <laughs> it's weird. How does I, it work? <laughs> how does it work? Truly. Um, uh, listeners may also remember I said in, in the stratosphere, this is where like weather balloons uh, kind of hang out is about this region. Um, next up, after passing through the stratopause, uh, we get up to the mesosphere. And the mesosphere is, again, about 30 miles to about uh, 50 miles. Uh, that, um, again, it does a weird temperature um, uh, a decrease. It decreases again. As you're going up. And I, and I guess that's, to me, that was like the big thing too. So like one of the defining features of all these layers of the atmosphere is when you, uh, when you ascend in altitude, are you getting warmer or colder? And so in the mesosphere, we're getting colder again. So that all the way up at the very top at mesopause, it's about minus 90 degrees Celsius. Um, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so super chilly. Um, and so also... Throughout all of these layers, as we are ascending, uh, yes, the atmosphere is getting less dense. However, you may also recall from our rocket episode, in the mesosphere, that's where meteors start to burn up. Because there is just enough atmospheric pressure, at, 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 at atmospheric density in the mesosphere, uh, with these objects traveling at, traveling at interplanetary speeds uh, to start burning up. So when you see a shooting star, you are seeing... An object that is in the mesosphere. Okay. Uh, next layer up after passing through the mesopause is the thermosphere, which again, big sort of uh, indicator of the thermosphere. Like you might imagine from its name, the thermosphere, it gets stupid hot. It gets stupid, stupid hot here. So right at the boundary, like I said, it was it's like minus 90 degrees Celsius. When you get further up into the thermosphere, you're getting into temperatures up around 3,600 degrees Fahrenheit or 2,000 degrees Celsius. Son of a bitch. Yeah. And so, <laughs> listeners, you may be thinking, wait, what? Wait, what? Jesus. How is that? How is that possible? How is there like a fiery, like burning layer of atmosphere? At the top of what that does, that doesn't make sense. 
Well, the reason why, dear listeners, is that there's just so few atmospheric molecules. There's there's so few gas molecules bouncing around here that they're just getting bombarded with solar radiation. And so like those are like getting superheated up, but they're so spread out and spaced out that it doesn't like meaningfully do anything. It would be like huh. it, it, it would be like if you're on Antarctica and you light a match. Like yes, that one match is very hot and it would burn you. But compared to light, but it, it's just one match against, you know, there's this giant empty space. So it's not like you're standing all the way, you know. So again, man, it's 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 just goofy. Um, God, that's wild. Yeah, it, it is wild. It's goofy. And the uh, thermosphere, I think I skipped this, uh, is between, again, about 50 miles and 375 miles. So this goes out into the reaches of what we would call space. Um, okay. In the thermosphere, this is where we see phenomena like the aurora. Um, this is where the space shuttle is. This is where uh, a lot of low low Earth orbit satellites are. And then on and on and on. Um, and then the last one, the, the last one that is beyond the thermosphere is the exosphere. And this is, again, this like very tenuous, but still, I guess, kind of technically part of our atmosphere, um, that extends from, yeah, about 375 miles, 600 kilometers to 6,200 miles or 10,000 kilometers above the earth, um, and so even Jesus. so even then there's like still enough kind of uh, uh, nitrogen and oxygen and even carbon dioxide I'd imagine there's still enough kind of of those molecules bouncing around that satellites will eventually decay in their orbit and then fall into earth um, but yeah it is it is truly the outer part the exosphere and that's why it is called the exosphere um god damn yeah, it's it's pretty goofy. So those are like the five layers, and then there's also the ionosphere, which is like also sort of part of the atmosphere. Um, and yeah, so it's it, it it kind of straddles the thermosphere and the mesosphere and the exosphere. Um, it, it's this layer that that's where um, where where, where these uh, gases are ionized by solar radiation. Um, okay. Okay. So again, like it's, it's, it's sort of, yeah, like a layer within these other three layers. And so that's why I say there's Sub like, layer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's like five and a half or five asterisk layers of the atmosphere and that's about their ranges. So, okay. Right yeah. on. Thank you, buddy. You're very welcome. Yeah. I, as you were going on, I was like, well, I guess I should have just said talk about the troposphere because, but that's the other half of this is we don't know. We don't know. Well, okay. Literally mm-hmm. anything we talk about tonight, we don't know. We have right. no idea. Everything is like just as right or just as wrong or mm-hmm. just as solid or conjecture as the next thing. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that some of these sons of bitches don't pop up in the ionosphere and like dick around? Like, well, absolutely. And, yeah. And to your um, point about this being similar to the ocean. Yeah. There's like different layers of the ocean as well. And like, Sure, we're talking about the troposphere, the the layer that's most familiar to us, and for the ocean, that's yeah the, the 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 layer where there where there's enough sunlight to uh, foster photosynthesis, and then anything beyond that is yeah we, we just aren't able to access and understand as well. I, and I would imagine that's the same for the atmosphere too. Yeah, yeah, 
Indeed. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I'm, and also, if we don't use the sky as the ocean metaphor, well, this whole fucking episode falls apart. So that's what we're going to stick with. <laughs> so we're sticking with it. <laughs> that's um, I did say that we don't know anything, but tonight we have to presuppose a couple things. Okay, fair enough. So to loosely classify what we're going to talk about tonight, mm-hmm. um, we need to take some things for granted. First, there is no physical evidence of any kind. Except a little bit, sometimes maybe, but we're not really sure. They might not even be connected at all. But so we have zero physical evidence for these things. Okay. But there are tons of pictures and tons of eyewitness accounts from both military and civilian. And if we take it as working for Lake Monsters and Santa Claus, well, uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> point number two, these things are a natural part of our world. They have been here since life on this planet has existed. It evolved like all other life on Earth did. And that is to fill a niche. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how stupid it sounds. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. Just because we can't conceive of a sky whale that's eight football fields long doesn't mean that it isn't up there made out of hydrogen, maybe. I'm not sure. But Mm -hmm. still, we're taking for granted that these things are real. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or that these things, you know, grew up alongside all other life on Earth. So it should be suited to conditions on Earth. Yeah, yeah. That being said, everything we're talking about tonight needs to fit some criteria. It is usually lighter than air. It is usually pretty good size and has at least a solid-ish shape, but sometimes that shape can change. Um, You can also classify everything tonight as a UFO, but we're not talking about spaceships. So Ivan T. Sanderson believed that the things we're talking about tonight um, are a lot of what people saw when they were seeing UFO sightings, especially early on. So much so that he devoted an entire book to it. Invisible or uninvited or uninvited visitors is what it's called. Sorry. Mm. Um, we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on tonight. But okay. for right now, we're going to like wade around in the sky, ocean. Okay. With the surface of the sky, which is what you and I are walking around in the space that we occupy. And Josh, what is your favorite? Cheap seafood-based appetizer. That's right, buddy. It's shrimp. We're going to talk about sky shrimps. Sky sky shrimps. I would love to eat some sky shrimps until I realize that I probably have thousands of them in my nose right now. <laughs> I really hope not. Um, you know about these little guys, Josh. They're called rods or air rods or sky fish or sky rods. And you might remember them from any single given unexplained mystery show that was like airing on Fox during our childhood that unintentionally created an entire generation of paranormal nerds, whether they knew it or not. (laughs) Um, Every news station in the 90s featured video of these things. It was Mm. like, it was like we all caught a cryptid together at the exact same time. (laughs) They may question mark have existed alongside humans since the beginning like since humans have been doing it homo style they might have been watching us do it homo sapien style okay um there's also some loose pictographic evidence from an episode of monster quest that i watched um i need to make a fuck you history channel sound effect number one but number two (laughs) that's right kids i watched i peered into the void so you didn't have to (laughs) i am following through on our catchphrase um According to, oh, sorry. We uh, first started noticing these guys in the early 90s when home video recording technology advanced enough to start rendering, like, blobs instead of, you know, pixels. And we just got slightly sharper images. You know, that sweet, sweet, what was it, one DPI? Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The new Megapixel 64, you can... We got six colors in this bitch now. Um... (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's a lot like when we covered auditory phenomenon a couple weeks ago, we started picking up like all these weird sky booms and shit when we had recording devices in our hands. Mm. And we could go, oh shit, listen to this, it's weird. And then you throw it up on YouTube and other people go, oh my god, I did this. But instead of throwing it up on YouTube, you send it to Hard Copy or Fox or whatever the sci-fi channel was. Yeah. <laughs> these rods would show up zipping around home videos primarily appearing in outdoor settings, leading some people to say those are just super fast bugs, and maybe they are. But, goddamn, that's, that's a lot of fast bugs that nobody ever saw before because nobody had seen anything like this. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. As hmm. more and more videos surfaced, further looking was done, and we kind of figured out that the object was more than just a bug. What cameras were seeing that we couldn't see, because, again, we had no idea these things existed until we picked them up on film. Right. was 4 to 18 inch cylindrical shaped things that are either translucent or gray or sometimes white and it just depends and they have a billowing fringe that undulates around them it, it looks like something swimming you know the oh way that God. uh things okay. undulate uh, you know what these are you've seen these videos yeah. like yeah yeah uh, no well i'm going to say uh yeah listeners were at the what 28 minute mark and uh let the record show that I just cringed a little bit. I was like, oh, jeez, I hate this already. (laughs) (laughs) There's also another type of rod that seemed to have individual wings that seemed to beat in... I don't know how you say it. They beat, you know, in succession. They beat with a purpose. It wasn't the way that, like... Mm. It wasn't random. It was coordinated. This is how the thing flew. This is how it propelled it. Um, they could be alone. They could be grouped. Sometimes they seem like they play with each other. Sometimes they seem territorial and will chase smaller, like big rods will chase smaller rods out of regions. <laughs> I watched a lot of rod videos. Kids, go look up rods on YouTube. Make sure you say skyfish, not rods. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get some dig bar videos, but that's okay too. <laughs> that Yeah, you can't go wrong with those. <laughs> So what are people seeing, Josh? Well, it's probably bugs. Um, given the limitations of home video recording at the time, a rapid moving, a rapidly moving object can be picked up by the camera. That camera then pixelates a bulge around the image so it makes like a force field and then elongates the image and makes the effect that you would get with like the undulating flying ripple of a rod. Oh my God. Um, the Monster Quest, they said that's a thousand percent what it is. And it's weird for Monster Quest to come down on the side of these things aren't real, because that's not what History Channel likes to do. Right, yeah. There is a detractor, however, Josh, a gentleman by the name of Jose Escamilla, who Mm. claimed that he was not only the first one to start filming the rods in 1994, it wasn't anybody else, there's certainly not the videos of rods that appear in the early 90s, he... (laughs) What? Fuck you. Get out. It was was Jose Escamilla, of course. (laughs) He also said he knew what their true origin was. You you got oh. any guesses, buddy? Oh man. Okay. Um uh it was it was from well, well okay, before I answer that, are these like localized to any specific area or are they attested across uh, across geographical features? Well, so this is just, this is like total, this is what, this is Escamilla's okay. like total theory. This is like okay, Keystone. I, he knows exactly where the rods came from. Okay. Cause I, I mean, my initial response is like, is this, is he going to say something about like the atomic bomb testing and like it Ooh. super zapped bugs. And so now they're flying Okay. Around. Okay. That's an interesting take. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. 
truly, truly wonderful, the mind of a skeptic, because he doesn't <laughs> jump straight to dumb shit aliens. That's right, Josh. According to Jose Escanilla, the first rods were filmed, but where else by him in where else than Roswell, fucking New Mexico, oh, baby, course. in 1994. <laughs> Of course. Look at me like being uh, it, it, it imaginative and trying to think outside the box. I should have just said Roswell. <laughs> he said that these rods were often associated with UFOs in the area. And he has videos that would show UFOs that would, it looked like they were seeding other light. Um, oh, okay. These are really famous. Vi- Again, this is like a super 90s episode because this is the way that UFOs worked in the 90s. They would travel in straight lines and drop little like poops of plasma. And mm-hmm. sometimes those poops of plasma would hit the ground and sometimes the poops of plasma would rocket off and do their own shit. <laughs> like they would just go. They would just go elsewhere. There's tons of these. Um, mm-hmm. But he claimed that this was part of the larger UFO ship. And so like the rods were acting as some kind of like probe or reconnaissance device. Mm. I also want to point out that you can watch a lot of UAP stuff now, especially the USO stuff. And it also does the plasma poop seed ball. And those are really trippy because we see them in high def. It's not like a single pixel light drops a single pixel light. Like gotcha. this is, it's the Tic Tac video. It's that goddamn Tic Tac video off the Navy ship that everybody went nuts over. Um, Oh, right, 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 right. It is ironic, however, that the most famous and clear videos of rods came out of a cave net mouth in New Mexico that shows dozens of rods and various sizes doing various rod-based things. <laughs> this video did not come from Escamilla. <laughs> <laughs> he also maintains that these aren't just extraterrestrial, Josh. They are extra-dimensional. And what we are seeing oh. is something crossing through the fourth dimension into our dimension. That's right, baby. He's doing it Crawford Tillinghast style. (laughs) But time and space do not belong to the rods. Honestly, Jose Escamilla is just kind of like, he's just full of shit. He's justifying shit that doesn't work. He's the guy that we talk about, you know, the aliens that live on Mars. And we're like, buddy, go call your kids. Tell them you love them. Like, right. Yeah. That's this man. He's been kind of like yes anding himself since 94 that these are real. And now it's kind of like a weird UFO cult thing. You can go look him up. It's I forget his website. I'm not going to plug it, though. Yeah. Um, but you can totally find it. Google Jose Escamilla Kids. He's there. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on a little bit. I would be remiss, Josh, because these little rods are not the rods that you and I like. No, God damn it. We like big, long rod. <laughs> Big and scary, and I don't mean Big Dick Randy's rod. I mean the biggest rod we might have yeah. ever seen. In in yes. rod we trust. <laughs> in rod we trust. <laughs> oh, weird that you say it like that. In 1999, <laughs> on Christmas Eve, in the Vitbisk region of Georgia, so it's by Tbilisi, Georgia. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do not know anything about Georgian geography, and I had to learn about it this week, but I kind of got up. We're in the high mountains, and it's tough to get planes over these mountains. That's what you need to take away from it. You usually go around the mountains instead of up and over. Mm. Um, so witnesses saw a massive object in the sky. It's The body of the object was long and angular. It had no wings, but it but it was completely symmetrical. It was also angled on the sides and had, it looked like it had beveled edges. Like mm-hmm. if a rod could be tapered down to have bevel edges, mm-hmm. kind of looked like a sky squid. We could probably say it was a sky squid, Josh. Yeah, probably. 
Um, it also radiated a red and blue flashing color, like the color of clouds at sunset, according to one witness. It appeared to have a fuzzy outline, and an internal brightness came from inside of it. So it was mm. making its own light. It was very high up in the air, and it moved super fast and made no noise as it passed over the mountains. Mm. And then mm. it just dissipated into a series of dots and disappeared. Mm. We don't know. It's... It's the Belarusian sky squid. Nobody knows what it is. It showed up one time. And I just thought it was cool because, like, on the this thing literally, from all accounts, sounds like it's just mm-hmm. a giant rod. Like a huge rod. So they don't max out at 18 inches. You know, they can be about right. 100 feet long if they feel like it. Right, right. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that as they get bigger, they can learn how to flash blue and red, too. Okay. I don't know. I'm... Again, we don't know anything. We're just yeah. taking it all in. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about rods, Josh? Talk to me, buddy. I've been talking for a long time. What are yeah, your thoughts no, I, feelings? Well, so uh, there is a part of me that uh, is persuaded by ideas like, yeah, you know, maybe they are. there are some kind of translucent-y uh, bugs that kind of have like, because I'm thinking of like some of the, again, going back to like, the sky is the ocean, but dry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seeing some of the weird um, uh, uh, creatures that kind of flutter about and just kind of float around and waft around a little bit uh, down there in in the depths, and and they're sometimes translucent as well. So there's a part of me that's entertaining the idea of like, you know, perhaps, and, and that, and of course, if they're translucent as well, that make them really damn hard to like study and discover unless they gave off. You know, if you could like just kind of barely make them out. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's also a part of me that's like, okay, if your best explanation is aliens are seeding them, like, yeah, I'm not, that's <laughs> less convinced by that. <laughs> that's fair. That's. <laughs> I'm 100% of the mind that, yeah, it's probably bugs, but if it's not bugs, it's just something that moves quicker than we can, whatever a hummingbird is for a bug. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's just a different type. Like it can move a little bit quicker than what we can see. And you, you can still see videos of rods today. Um, game trails, pick them or game camera. Oh yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Trail game trail cams, pick them up a lot. And yeah, sure. That's like. Yes, that can totally lend itself to the, like, you know, the the bulging and then expanding of pixels. Mm-hmm. But, too, some of these are in really high definition and, like, they look good. And, yeah, as with all things that we do to Wizard, I just want to believe so goddamn bad. Yeah, that that above everything else. I want I want to believe. <laughs> above everything else, Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, all right, Josh. So, Sky Shrimp. <laughs> Rods, sky fish, you get a whole <laughs> right. scampy serving of them. Quite frankly, we got bigger fish to fry. But before we yeah. do that, we need to put our heads up into the clouds. Josh, mm. talk to me about those big, white, fluffy bastards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got kicked out of the uh, sky red lobster and their all-you-can-eat sky shrimp. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag too real. Hashtag do, do this. Anyway, so clouds. Yes, clouds. They happen... They occur in the troposphere, and this is the water that evaporates, and then it condenses in the atmosphere because 
like I said just a minute ago, the temperatures get cooler up there, but yet they're so light and there's still some, so much other like atmospheric pressure and, and other uh, 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 forces going on that they kind of hang suspended there. And they take a variety of shapes depending on just what the conditions are, depending on what the temperature is, depending on how saturated the water is. Um, and Mark, you may have heard this that, and I've seen this on many an inspirational poster, that water droplets, water vapor do not form um, on their own. They need a little grain of dust to like kind of cluster around. And I can okay, verify okay. in my research that is true. Every every little okay. bit of every every little piece of water vapor, every part of a cloud is actually at at the center is a piece of dust. So if how so without the dust in our lives, we wouldn't have rainbows. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All that is to say, getting into it. So, so yes, so, so those are clouds, and they, uh, yeah, sort of take various forms again, depending on their temperature and also how high up uh, in the troposphere they are. So, some of the closest ones that we see to Earth are the nimbostratus and the cumulus. Cumulus clouds are like you kind of mentioned before, right? Like the big, when you're out on your deck um, uh, grilling and reading and all that, the big puffy clouds, that's a cumulus cloud. It looks like a big pillow or a big Mm -hmm. ball of cotton. Um, And then the nimbostratus are the big, dark, the entire sky is covered and uh, it means that rain, rain is imminent. Um, A little bit higher up, uh, we get the uh, stratus, the stratocumulus and the cumulonimbus. Um, stratus is again sort of like a covering it's not quite as dark it's not necessarily raining the stratocumulus is kind of a mix between the two it's kind of like if you just had like a big like layer of cotton but you can still kind of like see some holes in it and then the cumulonimbula oh god see this is why fucking latin I can speak (laughs) greek like well but goddamn latin the cumulonimbus are the big like giant towering ones that It's that, that, that reach up and up and up. Um, and those are, yeah, about anywhere from like ground level up to about two kilometers, a little more than a mile. That's where those are. Um, in about the middle level, you get the alto stratus and the alto cumulus. And that's about, you know, maybe like three to four kilometers. When we're looking at like two miles, almost three miles above. And then uh, five kilometers, three miles above is where you get the cirro stratus, the cirro cumulus. Uh, and also just cirrus clouds, as well as contrails from various uh, jet-propelled aircraft. And so, yes, I'm going to swallow my pride and kind of go through some of the etymology of some of these Latin names <laughs> here. I don't know why I'm so, like, such a grumpy old man about Latin stuff, but... Because it's, it's the same way that I learned Japanese, and now as I'm trying to study German, I try and parse it out, like, through the syllables, and that does not work in German. And because right. yeah, no, yeah. I know I thousand percent understand what you're going through. Like they, you your brain gets keyed into one type of deal, and it cannot unkey. Like I'm right. with you, buddy. Uh, cirrus clouds, or sometimes cirrocumulus or cirrostratus, that is from the Latin cirrus, cirrus, which means um, lock of hair, or um, sort of like horse hair, or like a or, or like a bird's feather, and that's where like it's oh. kind of. You can like kind of oh. see through. You can kind of see through yeah, some of like them. Yeah, it's like wispy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, kind of wispy, exactly. Um, and then that there's also, me. yeah. So yeah, it makes sense. Again, it makes sense. 
Um, and then there's also the uh, Stratus. So that's another sort of major uh, type. And that is from the Latin word Stratus, uh, which is, is uh, there's also, that's maybe a loan word from Greek or at least like they're etymologically re related. And that means like to, to extend, to spread out, to flatten, to cover. And so, yeah, when there's like complete cloud cover, those are Stratus clouds. Okay. And then the okay. cumulus, these big puffy clouds, well, like in the word accumulation, yeah, it means just like a heap or pile. So they're like all piled up. And then you get the sort of like in-betweeners. So right, so that's where you get your um, your uh, uh, nimbostratus. Well, or and I, I guess I, I missed this too. So nimbus uh, is the type of cloud that Goku rides when he needs to go about in Dragon Ball Z. Um, oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but it also means rain cloud. <laughs> so, so a nimbus cloud, a nimbostratus, or a cumulonimbus, those are rain clouds. That's what that is. Uh, or yeah, you can get mixes like strato cumulus. Um, so it's like covering, but also kind of big and puffy and all that. Uh, there's uh, alto. That means higher up. So an alto cumulus. I mentioned alto stratus. That means a little higher up. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, there's all sorts of other little, which I, I don't want to do an entire episode on clouds. But yeah, there's all sorts of, there's, um, so you could have a fibratus, which means uh, they're kind of like fibrous or like fiber-like. You can have oh, a, okay, okay. you can have a castanellus cloud, which means it kind of looks like a castle. <laughs> uh, you could have a mediocris which means a medium-sized one there's there's all sorts there's all sorts of these um you can even have oh where was it in my notes i saw this and i had to laugh at this okay so yeah this is according to uh the world meteor meteorological association um and and their appendix of latin names of clouds so there's genera species varieties and then supplementary features and apparently there's a type of cloud called a mama, M-A-M-M-A, which means udder or breast. <laughs> <laughs> so it wouldn't be two wizards if I didn't at least point that out. So anyway, clouds, how do they work? <laughs> there's a little <laughs> bit of dust in the air and then it attracts water vapor. And then boom, you have some clouds of all these various right. types. And I need to learn Latin. <laughs> And they weigh billions of tons, and it blows right, my mind yeah. every time we think about them. And yeah. I asked, thank you, I asked you to talk about that, because really quick, I just want to, you know, kind of snuff out any naysayers here, like, but Mark, aren't these just clouds? No, they're not. Shut up, fuck you. Josh just told you they weren't. Right, yeah, these are, yeah, we have, we've studied these. There's a whole, there's a whole, I'll show you the website where we have these documented in detail. <laughs> <laughs> Two Wizards Pod C1. Two Wizards Pod C1. As we get deeper into the sky ocean, Josh, as we get deeper into the ocean ocean, you see bigger things. Yes. Yes, you do. Uh, we are getting bigger to the magnitude of things the size of buildings. There are numerous sightings of sky jellyfish. Sky jellyfish have existed in the <sighs> common collective scope of what humanity can see since about the mid-1800s all around the world. I want uh, to These believe. are exactly... I want to I believe. want to believe. I want to fucking... I actually do. I almost... These get into hollow moon shit. Or, like, moon was towed here shit for me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> They're literally what they sound like. It's a jellyfish. What's a jellyfish, Josh? Fucking nothing at all. <laughs> but a translucent thing made up of like a cluster of dumb cells and a brainstem. And it's what I wish that I could aspire to be. <laughs> Unlike rods, they do not blitz across the sky. They just jellyfish it up across the sky. I, man, I want to believe. <laughs> I want to believe, especially here. Once again, we have a rioter to blame for our troubles in this case. Just like, you know, Jules Verne with the fucking hollow earth or um, that other cat with the hollow moon. Uh, turns out that Arthur Conan Doyle is to blame for this one. Oh, all right. He wrote a story in 1913 called The Horror of the Height, which described a pilot who breaks the world height record, which I think is like, I think it's like 500 feet in the stores. It's nothing. It's it's 1913 flying physics, so it's it's nothing at all. Um, and he has like a record that he that's found in his plane. It's like his black box as he comes upon these great gelatinous monsters that spell his doom. It's a really cool little story, and we should probably read it. Like we next might. time we get horned up for a weird fiction, we're yeah. gonna do uh, the horror of the height. But as we pull back into reality, um, Carl Sagan believe that atmospheric beasts, especially this type, were not only possible, but they were probably also already flourishing in the skies around Jupiter. He called them floaters. He said that they would be extremophiles that were lighter than the gas around them, used the gas as some sort of propellant, and either ate shit out of the atmosphere, like atmospheric detritus, or could eat like smaller things, and that's when he kind of likened them to jellyfish. Gotcha. Okay. Um, sightings of sky jellies began for real, for real in England in the 1850s. The first sighting was by an office or was a, a bike cop. He was on patrol and reported seeing a celestial jellyfish sort of just bobbing along like chest level in the road. Hmm. So he came upon it and he reported walking up to it and tapping it. When he tapped it, the thing attacked him, and he said it was like being trapped underneath a soft blanket that gave off a bad smell like mold. The thing just kind of laid on him and then floated off. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, and honestly, like, I also, as we're going with the ocean metaphor here, when shit dies, like when giant squid die, when the oarfish die and they come up and they're, they're lethargic, they don't know what's going on, and that's when we see them. Hmm. And they don't belong here, so... These sky jellies don't belong here on the surface. They're supposed to be up high. When they're down this low, something's wrong. He probably, like, found a dead one or a dying one and poked it. Should have helped him. Mm -hmm. This could also be a callback, though, too, Josh. In the 1850s, in the Shetland Islands, people were menaced for a couple years by luminescent floating gray globsters. We remember what globsters are, right? Oh, how could I forget? Jesus. (laughs) That's why I say there may or may not be some evidence of these guys. Um... Gray floating lobsters called the boneless. Now, oh my God. these weren't so much atmospheric beasts as they were oceanic, but I bring them up for a reason. They would float up out of the ocean and hover across the surface surface of the water along beaches. There are reports of humans being attacked by them and dragged into the surf. People, um, they took several children. This was recorded. They just recorded oh this God. in the record. That the boneless took children. People who were attacked by them say it felt like a lukewarm blanket-sized tongue. (sighs) Sightings of the boneless became so rampant for a couple years that it drove people into a panic anytime they would see them. I don't know what the fuck the boneless were, Josh, but it was a thousand percent real to the people at the time. Oh my god. 
Jeez. <laughs> right? I hate right? I Okay, so I started off a minute ago saying I want to believe. Now I'm like, I don't want to believe. Fuck the boneless. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay because, Josh, you're human. And yeah. to be human means to fear that which you don't understand. True. It's all right, buddy, because there was a goddamn wizard in our midst in the, 1960, or in the 1970s in America. Okay, let's hear him. Take the source of this with a grain of salt because it comes from a cached article po- or from a, blog- a cached blog post from the Russian Times by a man named Pai Wovara, who reported that his <laughs> uncle frequently witnessed schools of sky jellies in the Californian countryside north of San Francisco starting in the 1950s all the way up until the late 70s. <laughs> I love Pai Guevara. <laughs> That's According amazing. to Oscar Guevara, this is <laughs> Pi's uncle, these creatures could be seen high in the sky along the coastline, moving in groups. Oftentimes they would start off on coming up off the surf. He could he didn't see them coming up out of the water. I was pointing out they didn't come out of the water, but he would see them up off the surface of the water and they would go back. I honestly think they're coming down to drink. I don't know why jellyfish would need salt water when they got fresh water around them. Maybe you need the like um uh, electrolytes and salt water yeah, maybe to power like... your jelly body. <laughs> I don't know. Um, again, this is more science than my brain can stretch to make exist. Hmm. But it's all right because we got Oscar here to investigate. He pointed out that he would see them on cloudy days as well as clear days. And both days they were different and they would move away from whatever path the clouds were moving in. Hmm. So, like, it wasn't like. You know, cotton that got blown up from a cottonwood grove, got caught in an updraft, and then, oh, that's a jellyfish. No, this was big chunks of something that moved independently against the wind. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Oscar watched and studied these things so much that he reported to the local California, I don't know what he reported to, maybe Fish and Wildlife, somewhere he got a grant from California local government to buy and operate a super light weather balloon in an attempt to further study them. So Josh, it doesn't matter what branch did it. The government functions fucking sanctioned cryptid study. We got a drink for that one, buddy. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. So the balloon in and of itself was sort of a weird prototype. It was the first of its kind. It would suspend a platform, which Oscar would just, kind of strap himself to and float around and watch the beasts. Okay, hell yeah. Okay, now I'm back on board. I'm back on board now. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) He also said that the balloon scared the creatures at first because he assumed it was about the size of a mature adult, but just the way that, like, animals become accustomed to a blind out on, like, uh, in a a safari zone, Hmm. so did these animals become accustomed to this balloon. And as soon as they realized it wasn't a big deal, they got close to him. And they had no problem getting close to him. Okay. And I know what you're saying or thinking there, naysaying Josh, who lives in my head. (laughs) But Mark, this man was just suspended several hundred, perhaps a couple thousand feet in the air. How didn't he die? Well, buddy, let me tell you, Oscar Guevara is my goddamn hero. (laughs) He fashioned a basic environmental suit out of a scuba diving rig, motorcycle helmet, and a welder-like jacket. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. But then but then he became his own type of cryptid by donning a gorilla suit that he had stuffed with goose down. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's amazing. <laughs> he apparently took dozens of pictures, which I can find none of. Don't care. <laughs> um, because 
He was up there doing something. For about six weeks in 1973, he got his hands on a single propeller plane, so him and his buddy attempted to to round up several of the sky jellies. But when they got back to the surface of the Earth, he found they turned into a gray goo that then turned into a powder and dissipated. Mm, Gotcha. However, Oscar might have been playing with powers he knew not where from they came. If that made any sense at all. He didn't know what he's fucking around with, Josh. He right. thought he had something cute, and it might not have been something cute. According to Navy pilots in the area who noticed his balloon flying, they decided to go see what the fuck was going on because there shouldn't be a weather balloon up here, right? And this is the 1970s, so you'd just go look at it and say, you know, getting permission. Mm-hmm. So... Um, a Navy jet flew up, pinged Oscar, and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I, I'm allowed to be up here, whatever. <laughs> and then they hit one of the jellyfish, or it looked like it hit him. <gasps> Either way, the plane was disabled and had to make an emergency landing. Oh, my God. This is incredible. I don't know. This is incredible. Just that. Just that little bit. Like, they kind of they kind of disappear from the record after 1973. But there's lots of theories for, you know, we just don't know. But really, the biggest bit that we need is that body. And God love him, he tried, Josh. He tried to bring back the body. Yeah. And he didn't. He got gray goo that turned into dust. But I'm really reminded of a couple of years ago when he talked about those mysterious blobs that rained on Oakvale, Washington. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I. If there's some sort of connection between these sky jellyfish and... I mean, just region, dude. Just fucking region. Like, <laughs> Northern okay, so, California to fucking Washington. Like, there, there's, that's my problem, dude, is like, <laughs> we we know what we're doing. You know, we've, we've been here. Like, yeah, man. What do you I, do? What do you do, Josh? Like, well, see, so I would believe, call my kids. Yeah. Well, see, I would believe that a whole lot more than like, oh, no, like, UFOs are seeding the skyfish like get the fuck out of here but if you told me no man there's a giant sky jellyfish and it's little uh polypules or whatever it's dropping out it's 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 asexual reproduction the spores that the sky jellyfish are dropping off that's the same as the globsters i was like well yeah of course naturally yeah <laughs> <laughs> Of course, of course, it sky is. globsters are real. <laughs> yeah, of course they're the yeah like spores from <laughs> sky jellyfish. No wonder everybody got so sick. <laughs> Ooh, space herpes! Thanks, Dan. Space herpes. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Okay, but also, man, what again? Just what a like. What's just a badass in his own right, Oscar Guevara? Uh, yeah, making. I don't own... know if he's real. I don't know if he's fake. Like, there's Again. reports saying it. Like, you can find the like his like abstracts and shit, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's Damn, 1976. So... Like, it was the Wild West anyway. You know, like right. Yeah, people yeah. were doing a lot of cocaine in 1976. So you know, you know, hey, it's uh... yes, yes, they were. Any anything's possible. <laughs> and they were only about halfway high enough to buy into any of this shit. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to say also in honor of uh, Oscar Guevara there, I'm moving now to Ranchwater Prickly Pear Hard Seltzer. One of my favorites. So Prickly because, Pear? I don't... Yeah, man, I almost like... I, I kind of want to like just shotgun this one for that guy. He's so awesome. But I also realized, <laughs> no, we're only halfway through this podcast, Josh. You got to... Gotta keep it together, man. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, you know, like 
I'm not snorting any coke, but maybe I ought to because it's about to get even dumber here. Better make a little <laughs> bit more sense because I don't know if Sierra Nevada is going to do it for us. But mm. it's all right, buddy. We're going to China, specifically okay. the uh, Hebei province in October of 1998. Mm. I was just a wee little fucking 10 year old wizard. Yeah. Didn't even know this was happening. Didn't even know this was happening. And then 20 years later, I'd be broadcasting on it. 24 years later, I'd be, ooh, ooh, I'm old. Yep. Um, <laughs> a bizarre thing was seen hanging in the sky close to Shangzhou. Uh, okay. The object appeared to be rounded and bulbous like a mushroom tapering down into trailing, blinking red and blue colored tendrils. It kind of looked like a jellyfish, Josh. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Authorities immediately figured out that it was not a military or civilian craft, and they dispatched a pretty sig- a pretty outdated uh, Zhangjiao 6 jet to s- mm. intercept the thing. And I make a point of this because it'll be clear in a minute, but this jet that they dispatched was older. It was fine. It still flew, but, you know, it's just not the, the, the best they could throw at it, but they're just checking right. it out. So at this point... Yeah, yeah. Um, they were calling it, and you and I are going to call it a UFO. Um, it was witnessed on the ground by about 144 people. And the pilot in the Zhangjiao 6 jet, he said that when he got within 4,000 meters of it, he was on a direct intercept course. It hadn't moved. It just quickly shot up into the sky. It was quick. It was easy. It didn't even look like it was going to do it. It just did it. Huh. And then it kind of seemed like it was playing with the jet. When the jet would get close to it, it would drop back down, or it would shoot to the left or to the right at amazing speeds, Josh. This thing was just outclassing the jet without even trying. Until the mm. jet got super low on fuel, the UFO got bored, and it floated off into the sky, never to be seen again. Now, <laughs> it floated off just before two more or two modern jets were dispatched from Shanghai to the, the, air, the airfield in King, which is about 90 miles so... In the span of time it took them to dispatch and get to this other airfield, this thing had already gone back up into the clouds. Holy cow. Okay. All right. That's crazy. To compound the weirdness of this event, four other separate radar stations pinged this UFO, Sky Jelly, whatever the fuck, at the time. Mm -hmm. An identified jelly object. There we go. Oh, there you go. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Further, this story was openly reported in the Hebe daily newspaper, which isn't standard operating procedure for Chinese media. They don't report on anything, let alone UFOs. However, there are a bunch of tabloid papers that will. It's kind of like the system we got with um, like National Enquirer, like how Donald Trump should be the president, but Elvis is also gay, Bigfoot's love child. Like it's the oh, yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, they gotcha. have that, but instead this showed up in like national papers. Ooh, okay. This was... This was a big deal. They had no idea what it was, and they kind of didn't want to talk about it because whatever it was really caught them down with their pants down. Gotcha. All right. Um, as long as we're here, I want to go back and talk about Ivan T. Sanderson really quick. You might remember him as my third personal lord and savior from the guy that shot, you know, uh, horse-nosed bats in the Congo and got duped by giant penguins and dudes frozen in blocks of ice. <laughs> Ivan T. Sanderson wrote a book in 1969 called Uninvited Visitors. He posited in this book that a bulk of the UFOs that people were seeing were, in fact, living biological entities. 
He mm. tapped the father of UFO photography at the time. This was like the first dude who was like, we need to be photographing these things. Right. A man named Terrence Constable. Terrence Constable also believed that these were living organisms, not some type of like alien spaceship. He thought this was like a naturally occurring part of Earth that we were just seeing up until now. Mm. Sanderson championed this theory because he had his own close encounter of the third kind, Josh. <gasps> um, Shit. So one day in, I want to say September, because I didn't write the date down, he was driving with um, a companion along a valley in New Jersey when he saw a cloud rising up off of a valley floor that caught about a, that went up to a height of about 1,200 feet. He described it as appearing to be diaphanous, but as it rose, it seemed to solidify into a mushroom shape. But it still looked like it was smoky on the inside, so it had like a definite outline, but the inside was kind of nebulous, he described it. It Mm. then disappeared, and then it reappeared in the exact same spot, but now it was a solid egg with super hard-to-find edges. The inside Mm. was still not solid. Lights then started coming out of this void, and it began to, and this is Sanderson's account, start flip-flopping north to south, turning into a cylindrical thin object, then into a thin saucer. Then it shifted, flashed black and gray, and continued to dance about while flashing and changing shape until it blinked out one more time, became a solid saucer shape, turned edge down, and rocketed off into the sky, making no noise and leaving no trace behind it. What? (laughs) Sanderson says this entire event lasted all of about 15 seconds. Holy cow. Um, it was performed, or so it was, it lasted about 15 per seconds, and it was definitely performed by a living entity. Sanderson being a power nerd at this point, because he was already one of the most, not most boots on the ground, but he was really out there for, like, reporting UFO phenomenon. Um, he ran a lot of counterintelligence shit against the Nazis in World War One, and mm. was stationed in the South Pacific watching for, um, uh, subs. Okay. So he got really good at tracking, like, you know, weird sounds and weird lights out in the vast expanse of ocean. So he also got super good at identifying UFOs and just how they operated. He immediately uh, reported the sighting to local New Jersey newspapers, which ran the story. He also reported to the local military bases, who reported a weird ping in the area around the time of his sighting. They did pick something up, but it only lasted for half of a second. He also mm-hmm. makes a point to point out in the case of ufos that we literally cannot label them as animate or inanimate Mm. um especially now especially right now in the 19th like now too because we don't know we haven't shot one down like Yeah, yeah um but we just don't know but even back then so like the sightings that we say or vehicles back then, that's only limiting to the scope of science at the end of the 1960s. And this happened before, this happened the same year we landed on the moon. Like, so whatever we take to be, you know, scientific fact, we're taking it 60 years later. They're operating under the idea that, no, this thing is like, it's not. This is a living, breathing organism. Really quick, I want you to pull up your clip number one, just to kind of... This isn't the same thing, but your YouTube clip number one, it should be a newscast. And jump to 19 seconds. And listeners, I'm going to put this in so we can listen to Josh panic, and Josh is going to try and describe it, and we might watch it a couple times. But you'll know what you're seeing when you see it. Imagine finally being able to get onto a commercial flight, looking out your window, and seeing this. This happened. I'm sorry. What is that? It's a passenger on the plane. Looks out the window. 
grabs the phone. This was filmed in June. The traveler sees that, an object apparently changing shapes in what? seconds. Oh, 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 oh. Is it a shape-shifting object? Is it Bezos? Is it Branson? What is it? Is it a UFO? Mal, Jeez. go for it. I, I, see. I have no idea. Okay, I'm looking at this for the first time. Culture. I want to be Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> No way. Okay. That's crazy. So, no, I don't, that could be anything. Honestly, Whoa. here's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't know what that could be. There's, someone said, I, I read this little bit online, and someone said that maybe that's just the, the reflection. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I don't think that's a reflection off of something or other there. Uh, so what did you, what did you see, Josh? What really so quick I, rundown for the listeners, what you witnessed just there. So I saw so clear, clear blue sky and this object that is a, yeah, like a pristine, uh, sparkling white that looks, I mean, kind of, I mean, almost like a cloud, but I think maybe a little more cohesive, um, like a little more. I together. think it looks pretty cohesive to be a cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure right. It's 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 not like blowing off and doing its own thing. It it seems to be like its own like clearly defined coherent unit. Um. And yeah, and that's just kind of like, it's 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 hard to tell if if it's just kind of like stationary or if it's moving along. But yeah, so it, and it is. It's just kind of like changing shapes. It it'll be like kind of a boxy thing. And then it'll kind of like squeeze out into like a long, like an elongated thing. And then it'll kind of go boxy again. And then it will squeeze the other way. So it's really stretched out and almost looks like a, like a, like a letter Y. Uh, so yeah, that was very interesting. That was very, very interesting. I have no idea what that was. Yeah. I, I don't either, but I just wanted to show you a modern accounting of one because oh, we're sure. about to go back in time to 1863. 1863. <laughs> <laughs> This, of course, comes out of Adam Benedict's Oddities in Print drink. Um, <laughs> um, this comes out of a newspaper article in the uh, Weekly Standard from Northern Carolina. Uh, it reports a migration of living balls of cotton or smoke. Mark, take it away. <clears throat> the first day of this month, October, at about 3 o'clock p.m., the weather was quite hot and dry. Not a cloud could be seen, no, no wind even ruffled the foliage of the surrounding trees. All being, oh, Jesus Christ, propitious, Jesus Christ. When's the last time you had to read propitious in a newspaper? <laughs> <laughs> All things, shit. All things being propitious, the grand panorama began to move. Just over and through the tops of the trees on the adjacent hills to the south, immense numbers of roll of immense numbers of rolls resembling cotton or smoke, apparently the size and shape of doors seem to be passing rapidly through the air, yet beyond order in a beautiful regularity, these rolls seem to be tinged at the very edge with a green light and resemble a border or deep fringe about them. There were apparently thousands of them, and they were perhaps an hour in getting by. For an hour, Josh, fucking cotton balls of smoke jellyfish migrated over the top of this town. <laughs> they were as big as doors, Josh, as big as doors. So he says they're rolls, and this took me a minute, because this is 1863 reporting, so he got to kind of extrapolate just a touch. Um... Okay, so they're doors. They're the size of doors. They're rolling bits of smoke or cotton ball. 
So it's like three foot by six footish, like almost cylinders just floating along in a general direction, looking like they got a purpose. <laughs> what do you fucking do, man? I, oh, man. Well, yeah. So, so that news clip that you just showed, yeah. If there were thousands of those things, just kind of doing their thing across the sky, I would, I would shit my pants. I would have no idea yeah. what to do in that situation. What could you do? Like, yeah, exactly. You remember the the spy balloon? Oh, right. Yeah, how people lost their goddamn mind about just one, and we knew what it was, or we yeah. we, we knew we knew it was a balloon. We didn't necessarily know whose it was or what it was doing, but we knew what that was. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. yeah, like now, just imagine it's 1863 and there's fucking thousands of these things just doing whatever. Or imagine it's 1976 and you're goddamn Oscar Guevara and you just took a fucking big old rip of sky powder yeah. to go hunt. Like, man. Um. Also, I understand. I okay. So yeah, I am kind of skewing my research a little bit because these are the easiest to debunk. Josh, we just talked about in rockets when those, you know, um. What are they called? Uh, dragons, right? Dragon mm-hmm. X's? Yep. 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 When they the go off, they stage. leave that light burn. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. They leave the light burn in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. That light burn, 1,000% could look like a sky jellyfish, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and also, yeah. there are st- still... Because, so, uh, yeah, like... Uh, so so they have their Boca Chica launch complex. That's where they kind of, like, test a bunch of stuff. And then they fly out of Cape, Cape Canaveral. In Florida, and then they fly out of uh, uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. And there are still people to this day after a SpaceX launch. We'll see, yeah, the like e- exhaust trail doing a weird thing in the sky. And, and it blows their mind like, are, what is this? Is this an alien? It's like, no, like, it's SpaceX. They've been launching rockets here for like four years. Like, how have you not caught up? Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it could be, it could very much be. Just some sort of some sort of phenomenon where there's moisture that gets up into I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, and that's what it is. So um, light or so ice in the atmosphere catches light. The light refracts across the ice wall, and it makes the pattern, and it makes a bird. We also talked about it in Tunguska, and the original flash was so oh, bright right. that there was that um, light scar for like a week after the fact. Yeah, that's um, true. I bring that up because in the Netherlands in 2012, there was a super, super famous case of this. And they were like, oh, holy shit, it's a sky jellyfish. <laughs> well, no, it was rocket light burn. Um, but Josh, so yeah, I showed you a YouTube clip from 2021. But all the other cases I talked about tonight are pre-rocket flight. Like, oh, right. okay, so there's not going to be rockets going off where um oscar guevara is at like yeah sure he's in california yeah the navy like got one of their planes fucked up by a jelly but they're not Mm -hmm. doing rocket tests they're this is rural like it's just not a thing that's happening they're not doing rocket tests in north carolina in the 1860s like Mm -hmm. they're not doing it in china china knew damn well this wasn't a rocket test um but there's one more just for funsies it's that second youtube clip it should end in utm this is just one of the yes. most recent sightings of a UFO we have. Okay. I am opening the link now. And this is as sky jelly as it's going to get. And jump to 15 here and there's no sound. So if you just want to describe what the what is going on for the listeners as you watch. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, credits playing here. Um, jump, jump to 15, you said? Yeah. Okay, yeah, about 15 seconds. Ooh, okay. That... 
looks just like a like a sperm. <laughs> it just looks like a sperm floating <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> sky jism. Yeah. Sky jism. Yeah, there's uh okay, so this one's now it's kind of zoomed out and there's other I don't know, little dust molecules or something flying around or maybe more sky sperm, I don't know. Uh yeah, this thing is that is that just it it does. It just looks like a single spermatozoa uh <laughs> flapping about in the in the air there. <laughs> I I just I'm trying to get I, I again audio medium i'm trying to get into this idea of like living ufos that is a ufo that is actively changing shape in mm-hmm. its environment just like the first one i showed you as we move deeper into our sky ocean into the deepest of water um right. we're gonna encounter something bigger more mysterious dare i say batter josh mm. because oh baby here there be dragons I mean, literal oh, yes. goddamn dragons. Let's According go. According to John Keel's Strange Creatures from Space and Time, which I own an original printing of, and the fucking cover is a Frank Frazetta cover. It is the tits. It is such a... Hell I'm yeah, I'm going to send you dude. a picture of it. I'm sending it to you right now because it is the tits. Hell um, yeah. That's sweet. That's so sweet. This is one of those times when, like, Nightmark really comes through and buys cool shit for daytime Mark. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, awesome. But according to John Keel's Strange Creatures from Space and Time, um, there are detailed accounts of dragons that appear in the ancient records in Japan and China in the form of the long dragons. You know, the the long mm-hmm. ones that are hairy and have the wee tiny legs, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now also, this similar account comes at the exact same time out of the English and Irish records. Um, Celts have horned serpents. Um the Vikings, the Nor- Norwegian, Scandinavians, whatever, that ilk up there, they have uh, worms that appear that spit fire. These aren't dragons like we're thinking dragon, dragon. These are Dragon Ball Z dragons. This is Shenron. This is the mm, long gotcha. form dragon. Mm-hmm. But it appears across the world. However, the Himalayan mountains almost act like a natural barrier because they don't show up in Indian mythology. Like they have the Naga. But that's a different type of dragon. These dragons, especially coming out of Asia, are highly atmospheric-based. They might not come down ever. They just fly around up in the sky, right? Okay, yeah. These accounts occur between both peoples at pretty much the same time, and there's no contact between peoples at this time. Mm. Of course, that we know of. Wink, wink. Mm. But also, Josh, in South America, the Aztec's chief god was... Quetzalcoatl, literally the flying feathered snake, and mm-hmm. it looks dragony as all hell. Mm-hmm. Now, flying snakes appear in tribal lore of a lot of North American Indian tri- or native tribes, but this isn't like this isn't what we're thinking of when we think of dragons. These are long, snaky things. Sometimes that have feathers, sometimes that don't, but they always have like snake or alligator heads, and they mm-hmm. either move in an up and down undulation pattern, so they got like the good lake monster humps. Mm-hmm. or they fly through the sky like a snake swimming in water. Oh, shoot. Okay. Now, further, all of these give off their own type of light. Keel makes a point to say that these long dragons were actually UFOs, but he says that they were that they were actually spacecraft. It's kind of cool, like, hmm. getting to read about the different contrasting points, and he says these are like, just not ancient aliens, but older aliens, and this is how we took them, was long bands of UFO. It's So it'd be the saucer band of light, 
and that's you know the the UFO and there's the blinking lights across the middle of the band. That's mm-hmm. what people were seeing when they were seeing these dragons. Oh, okay. Okay. It's so cool. It's so cool. And then I also take it as literally the other half. It's like, no, this is a thousand percent a biologic entity. <laughs> it's just up in the sky and it filter feeds off fucking dust in the air. It learned how to do that. Yeah, um, that's awesome. <laughs> there was also a huge flap. That's right. A flap, Josh, the terminology we use for UFO encrypted sightings in North America in the 1800s. And wouldn't it be nice if we had a compendium here to talk about it? Oh, my God, we do. It's once again Adam Benedict's Monsters in Print. Drink, kids. Drink. <laughs> Seriously, fucking two books that made two wizards possible. Monsters in Print and Ad- Oddities in Print by <laughs> goddamn Adam Benedict and then anything by John LeMay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this comes out of the morning news. Georgia, 19 uh, September. 1887 also noticed that all of these sightings take place in fall, leading me to believe that atmospheric beasts migrate in the fall. Oh, yeah, probably. That's just me drawing parallels. This comes out of the Pittsburgh Chronicle, and the headline is, No wonder the judges are cutting down on liquor licenses. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) While a number of... Men were standing outside the works. One of them looked up and saw what he first thought to be a snake, about five feet long. Evidently more than 2,000 feet away, up in the air. He did not say anything to his fellow workmen until he saw the object coming closer, and it was then that he called its attention to the others. These men watched it, and it was not long until it was over them, looking to be about 500 feet high, or as high as a hill at that place. They're trying. They're, 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 they're trying. To, yeah. They're mm-hmm. trying. Mm-hmm. The object was more than five times the length when it was first noticed, so that should put it about 25 feet. As it came nearer, it looked to be a monster snake, jet black, and its thickness looked to be like that of an ordinary keg. The ponderous jaws of the reptile were frequently seen to open, which emerged a large tongue. It sailed in a regular course, but when the jaws opened and then it took a downward course, it seemed as though it would fall to the ground below it. On the descent, the mouth would remain open, and after a fall of about 100 feet, the jaws would close, and the snake would rise its head up slowly and wend its way up to the former height. So, it opens its mouth and sucks in air to dive and closes it and rises. That's awesome. During the stay of about an hour, it seemed long enough to visit every part of the Etna, the factory they're in. From the mill, it moved like a snake. On land westward, about a mile... Sorry, it moved westward about a mile to a point along the Allegheny River, where it took back its natural course and disappeared to be seen from the naked eye. That's awesome. Sky snake That's number so cool. one. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's, it's a sky. It's a fucking snake in the yeah. air that That's is awesome. gulping air to float and to fall. And that is <laughs> something That's... special. Here we go from the Seacoast Echo, January 8th, 1898, Mississippi. So shooting my theory of they only migrate in the fall in the foot. A flying (laughs) snake is reported from South Carolina. The Hartsville correspondent of the News and Courier describes it in detail as follows. The flying snake was seen near Newman Swamp by Mr. Odom on Saturday afternoon at, at say, 6 o'clock. This is about 10 miles south of this place. Later on, say, 7 o'clock that same day, it was seen by Mr. Henry Polson in Chesterfield County, 12 miles north of here. Mr. Polson says the monster was low down, just above the trees, had its head thrown back in a position to strike, and was just floating through the atmosphere lengthwise. He says it seemed to be about 25 to 40 feet long and about 8 to 10... 
8 to 10 inches around at its biggest park. In the language of Mr. Polson, he did not say it was a snake, but he does say it looked more like a snake than anything he's ever seen that he thought might be a snake. Shoot. <laughs> Sky snake number two. They continue on like this. There's lots of them. They're all black. They all give off some type of something. And they all do the, like, gulping of air, and they fall down, and they float back up. Hmm. Hmm. Um... Very lightly, since we're talking about floating sky snakes, this is almost too tenuous for me, but it draws a connection. In Nambia, there are stories of a gigantic flying snake with wings. This almost sounds like a colossal rod that attached to the length of its body. Um, hmm. This monster is said to suck blood out of animals, so it's basically oh, like shit. a vampiric atmosphere snake with wings, and quite frankly, if you look up Nambian flying snake, it looks like a big pussy. I'm sorry, it just looks like... <laughs> It's labia, Josh. It's labia. And yes, I know what you're thinking, kids. Yeah, Mark watched Jordan Peele's Nope, and that's what inspired him to write this episode. Not looking at the clouds in the sky, and we all saw Jean Jacket turn into a big old pussy, too. Uh, sky snake pussy. Sky bussy. Um, I don't want to talk about it a lot, but I want to use that to try and like bridge a gap here. Because America also has its own type of weird air bussy. We're going to call it an air bussy. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. what we're going to call it. Yeah. Um, this is the Crawfordsville monster. This might be the most famous case of an atmospheric beast in America ever. So, at 2 a.m. on the morning of, what, September 15th, 1891. That's right, Josh, September again. We're back to fall, baby. That last one fall. was just a fluke in January. Uh, one or two icemen named Bill Gray and Marshall McIntyre were prepping that morning's delivery when they looked up and beheld dread. It was about 18 feet long and 8 feet wide and moved rapidly through the air by means of several pairs of side fins. It was pure white and had no definite shape or form, resembling somewhat a great white shroud fitted with propelling fins. There was no tail or head visible, but there was one great flaming eye, and a sort of a wheezing plaintive sound was emitted from a mouth which was invisible. It flapped like a flag in the winds as it came on, and frequently gave a great squirm as though suffering unutterable agony. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, I was going to have a smart-ass comment about like, well, how'd you know it was giving a wheezing sound from a mouth when it was invisible, if it's invisible? But then that last sentence, man, right in the feels. Great squirm <laughs> yeah, as though... Like suffering unutterable agony i mean it's it's it does have to be at least semi-utterable if it's wheezing but (laughs) (laughs) Um, these two icemen kept their cool josh and they watched it for an entire hour until they decided they'd had enough of watching this thing just like fly wheezing around the top of the town hitch their horses and got the fuck out of there Uh, this wasn't the only time the monster was seen that night. In fact, about 140 other people would witness it and give similar type reports. Um, but around early midnight, so this is about two hours earlier than the Iceman saw it, doctor slash Methodist preacher G.W. Schweitzer was getting a drink of water from the well, and he saw the thing and described it as swimming through the clouds in a writhing, twisting manner, similar to the glide of some serpents. Now, he did what any good reverend would do and ran into the house to wake up his wife to make her come look at the horror. (laughs) And they both gave um, pretty solid accounts of what they saw to local newspapers when this event was reported. 
Um, a couple local dicks in the area decided to send Schweitzer a brochure for an alcoholic rehab clinic. Oh, fuck you. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I know, that's what I said. Like, it's in the pa- You can read in the original newspaper from 1891 where people sent Schweitzer brochures to get fucking help. <laughs> we have been pieces of shit since 1891. You sons um, of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so... Back at the ranch, so to speak, a lot of people saw this thing, and the creature was just kind of like floating, flying around town in a weird pattern, wheezing, until it decided to like just depart. And mm. then stories of this thing spread like wildfire. There was a young woman in St. Louis who was so afraid of the prospect of one of these flying monsters showing up that she wrote the Brooklyn Eagle, which apparently is an Ohio paper. Don't ask me how that works to see if there was any chance at all that the monster might be headed her way in St. Louis. And if so, how she might combat it. And I know how crazy this sounds, Josh, but this is literally in the middle of the very first ever UFO epidemic that ever hit America. God damn. Okay. All right. At the time, this country was being besieged by UFOs almost nightly in the form of airships. Have you ever heard of these? Have you heard about the airships, Josh? I, no, I don't think so. Oh, baby. I am so glad because we're going to cover it. But the short okay, and nice. sweet of it is they were these giant Zeppelin-like craft. They would appear in the night sky. They would light it up. They would light up the night sky. They would appear out of nothing and start lighting up the sky. And people would just report these giant fuck-off airships, right? <laughs> um, okay. They would play music. You could hear people talking on them, apparently. They would um, steal cattle using ropes. They would show up and watch baseball several times. They would show up and watch baseball games. Um, there was one in um, in oh, somewhere in the south. I want to say Tennessee. An airship showed up and watched an entire game of baseball. And like it showed up, the people stopped and it just sat there until they started playing again. And it sat there and watched the entire game. And then it flew away. Five hundred people watched this fucking airship show up. <laughs> These things could move against the wind. They were a thousand percent not Zeppelins. Um, Nobody knew what they were. They just existed. This is before blimp technology. We had balloons, but this isn't, this was so beyond our technology at the time. Yeah, this is not. And it lasted for about 20 years into the 1900s. It was insane. We're going to do an airship episode, but there's so much on it. I just kind of need to correlate a little bit more. Come talk to me in August. We're going to do when the airships came. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but all this is to say this young woman in St. Louis being afraid of this creature is not at all out of the realm of possibility because they were seeing these fucking UFOs that were showing up and playing music and light. Again, again, we had to look at this too. Again, this is the 1800s. Electric light in cities is not really a thing. Mm -hmm. These airships would come and illuminate city blocks and people would report it just like being outside during the daytime. They would just show up, turn on their lights, and there it is. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> it's insane. It is literally is insanity insane. run amok. Yeah, um, it is insane. My point is that these mysterious things in the sky are not new to these quote-unquote modern wink-wink-wink yokai people. Get mm-hmm. it, Josh? I get it. Back in Indiana, though, as monster or as news of the monster spread, it also evaporated like so much star slutch. And the question <laughs> remained, what did 130-ish people see that night? And honestly, we don't know. We don't ever know, Josh. Two wizards will never fucking know what they saw, but we have a couple ideas, and they all really suck. <laughs> Number one, it was a cloud. It was nothing at all. It was a cloud that was mass hallucination. 
Okay, thanks. Yeah, Number two, yeah. it was a gigantic rod. This sounds a lot like a rod. And mm-hmm. it made the noise, the wheezing noise. So if we get something big enough, it can produce a sound. Scale that up. Sound makes sound. And there you go. It, it kind of sounds like like the undulating wings a little bit. The Monster Talk episode came down on Crawford's, Crawfordsville Monster was just a giant rod. I don't like that so much. Um, there's another theory that it was a massive, massive uh, flock of killdeer birds. You know, you know, killdeer are they're little oh, brown yeah. and the little brown birds with white bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, the theory is that their mermations, them flying in formation at night, would be backlit by moon and starlight to give the appearance of a shapeless sh- or a shifting, formless kind of thing. Hmm. Something woke up the flock. They were pissed off for about three hours until they flew out. As a matter of fact, this story was compounded by two men who said that they followed the monster out of town after it left, chased it into, like, a hollow, a swamp somewhere. They followed it for a couple miles, and it turned out to be birds. And, like, the flock just kind of dispersed, and that was that. But, Josh, buddy, I looked up the goddamn lunar charts that night. It was a new moon in Crawfordsville, Indiana. There was no moonlight to reflect (gasps) Birdwing. Oh, shoot. And they sure as shit don't wheeze, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know. Just like sky jellies and rods and sky dragons and star sludge once again, we just don't know. Atmospheric beasts! <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, no, this. And because, you know, everybody loves to throw out the quote like, oh, we know more about the surface of the moon than we do the bottom of the ocean. And. Nobody even talks about the sky because we just all take it for granted. Huh. Like, oh, yeah, pfft, whatever, the sky. Give me a break. But, who knows? Maybe there are. Maybe there are these, like, weird translucent skyfish or jellies or rods that just... Or jellyfish that... Yeah, man, I don't know. The sky is also pretty massive. Let's just be clear. The sky is pretty goddamn massive. <laughs> You know, just next time you're doing nothing at all, look up at the sky, Josh, and just, mm-hmm. y- you know, um, planes. Passenger planes are hard to spot at cruising yeah. level. You know, you see them, mm-hmm. but you really only see them moving the contrail. Yeah. Like, this, again, it, yeah, it's a thousand percent like that pareidolia going to pareidol. But man, yeah. I just wanted to look up at the sky all week this week and just like... I wanted to believe so fucking bad that any mm. one of those clouds, like just the section was going to split off and like jellyfish into the sunset, you know? <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I want to make a Crawford tilling gas uh, from beyond machine and fly it up there, you know, and turn that bad boy on and, and yeah, I'll, I'll I'll make a gorilla suit stuffed with goose feathers and oh <laughs> yeah, get, yeah, get a bit of hot air balloon. I'll I'll do a bunch of cocaine first and then go <laughs> go see what's really out there. Oh God, but yeah, sky beast. mountains of cocaine or cumulo nimble cumulo yeah. clouds of cocaine. You tell me, I don't know. Oh man. No, Mark, this is this is another solid episode. Thank you very much for compiling this all together. And yeah, I mean it I but also, as you started at the very beginning, it is it is time that the sky cryptids 
the scry the, the sky unidentified flying animals uh get their own due because again man just stuff we stuff we take for granted and i also i i i want to believe you want to believe listeners do you do you want to believe have have you taken some pictures of some of these sky fish um have you seen a sky jellyfish i just i want it i want it so bad uh and if you want it too let us know get in touch with us you probably know how but anybody who's new here's here's a few just a few methods that you can do that you can send an email to two wizards podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at two wizards pod c1 we're on uh facebook and instagram we're active on those uh we are we're we're dare i say you know making dare dare making making uh making some of our own waves we're flapping our own weird dorsal fins and also sometimes groaning in a lamentable um uh wheeze of unutterable sorrow <laughs> but we're having some good engagements on that twitter.com and i think our our numbers are up mark we are edging ever so closer to that magical 5000 download number and it's going to happen soon buddy uh and listeners yeah, you can you can help us make that happen you could be lucky download number 5000 uh you your friends your family your loved one tell them all and if you can somehow prove that you were the one that make the that that made that 5000th uh download mark and i will We'll take a selfie and send it to you. Hell yeah. We'll do something like that. We'll, we'll, we'll do something for we'll you. We'll do nothing. Be the one that gets us our 20,000th, and then we'll talk. How about that? Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair, <laughs> maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. You're not looking high enough. Jo- Josh, you're not <laughs> setting know. your sights high. And you're trying to shoot shrimp in the ocean. Shoot the shrimp in the sky, goddammit. Yeah. I I have my head in the in the stratonimbus when really I need to be in the... Cirrus clouds. That, that that's where my head needs to be. Um, <laughs> but yes. So so Mark, any any other closing thoughts? Well, actually, yes. Uh, there's lots of closing thoughts. What are some of the other podcasts that we have going on that that are part of our High Hammock Studios uh, empire? What's going on? Um, if you didn't find me, or if you didn't get enough of me tonight with all my high-minded ideas about atmospheric beasts, well, you can come get high-minded with me about cinema at the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, a weekly podcast where me and my buddy Brad take movies that we love that the other one hasn't seen, watch them, and then discuss and debate it, and then talk about, like, when can I show this to my kids? Because I love it, but, like... Are my kids ever going to be ready for the glory that is John Carpenter's The Thing? Well, that's October, kids. We're going to find out then. But go find me over there. Or or if you want your you know meta-commentary, more bite-sized fragments, come over to the Dangle Podcast, a weekly King of the Hill retrospective rewatch podcast where me and my buddy Johnny take two episodes of Mike Judge's beloved adult animation classic, King of the Hill, and we rate it and we review it and we talk about it. And lately we're getting really shitty and talking about how we can rewrite it and make it better. Um... The point is you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become Peggy Hill. This week, we started season 10, Josh, and I can already tell you season 10 started off with a bang because we found out the episodes we watched were supposed to air in season 7. There is a time skip conspiracy in King of the Hill, and goddammit, if me and Johnny aren't boots on the ground to talk about it. But you can find me over there. You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. And in the meantime, hey, 
you guys, thank you for listening. You let me be in your head talking about maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever... <laughs> the least amount of evidence, other than just <laughs> anecdotal. Right. Maybe less evidence than mm-hmm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but yeah. just the one time. Maybe less than that. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I was here for it. Josh, you were here. Thank you for putting up with me. Oh. Listeners, thank you for putting up with me. I hope that you'll be back to put up with me next week when we talk about something... I would say equally enrapturing and hopefully just as stupid, but yeah. until that time, um, thank you for listening. Give us that five-star review. Yeah. Josh, anything else, buddy? No, I think that's it. Uh, yes, even every little review and share and word of mouth helps. I was I was just looking up our our stats, and yeah, we're 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 hovering at a solid like four point eight, four point nine stars. Yeah. Um, and I didn't create a bunch of uh, sock puppet accounts to go rate us. Uh, so uh, apparently people are liking what we're doing. And if, and if you're one of those people and you haven't given us that thing yet, give us that five star. Give us that word of mouth. Give us that uh, uh, quote tweet with your own like, oh boy, howdy. I can't wait to see what those two crazy wizards get into this week. Because it truly does help. And we love having you along for the ride. Um, thank you for joining us again. Thank you, Mark. Always a great time. My name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard. By all means, guys, please show us your sky rods. (laughs) Take care. Good night. He rolled upon his back, and after that, I came.